Yes, good morning, everyone. Wednesday, February 7, the Big Sports Breakfast on Sky Sports Radio and Radio Tab. A very good morning to you wherever and however you are listening. Big show today, lots of great guests uh, and uh, across a lot of different sports as well. And uh, the cricket last night, if you would call it of anywhere near international standard, certainly was from one side of the fence with the Aussies winning very, very comfortably, to say the least. In fact, it was the shortest completed one-day international in Australia as they obliterated the West Indies by eight wickets with 259 balls to spare in Canberra. Uh, so that's our fastest ever run chase on home soil. 6.5 overs to reach the target of 87. Pup, good morning. How are you? Morning, boys. Morning to our listeners. Uh, I'm well, thank you. Uh, yes, it wasn't a... Uh, wasn't a great game of cricket, Mido. And if I'm to be completely honest, when I turned the television on to watch it at five, I think it was five thirty-three, the game was over. So uh, I don't really know what to say. Um, well, it was not di- barely dis- a T20. Disappointing to see West Indies um, play like that. It was third grade. Aussies were very good, but yeah, I, this one-day series hasn't been great for them, unfortunately. Hey, Loza. Morning, boys. Yeah, I'm trying to be as gentle as yeah. I can. Well, I think the big story out of the game was Lance Morris, side stroke. Let's yeah. hope it's not too bad. Um, massive wraps on the young man. Yeah. Uh, very fast bowler. Uh, what did I tell you about the weather, boys? Yeah. Told you to clear up. There you go. 26 uh, degrees. It was uh, quite humid they were talking about down there. A couple of listeners told us down there they wouldn't be playing. Mm. Mm. But so that's local knowledge. Local knowledge, local knowledge shines through. Spending a lot of time down there. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was disappointing from the West Indies point of view uh, to be all out what, for 86. That's not good. That's not good in a one-day international. Uh, and Australia did it quite comfortably off 6.5 overs. What about young Fraser McGurk? He's good. Uh, 41, 18 balls, just cracked it. Um, and you know Josh Inglis, I try to think about who he reminded me of, and I, I worked it out last night. He looks... And not so much bats like him, a little bit of Brendan McCullum. He's got Brendan McCullum about him. I have to have another look. He lost. just looks exactly like him. Yeah. Okay. But with the helmet on, he he hits the ball, strikes it well. Um, so he's obviously a, a player that I've identified. I think he'll be a part of the Australian setup hmm. in the short form of the game for a long time. Xavier Bartlett. He bowls the most beautiful outswinger, Clarky. He bowls with a very good seam, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. Oh, it's yeah, just it's... gorgeous outswinger. Yeah, he's been exceptional. He's two opportunities and grabbed it with both hands. So, yeah, I, I, I think that's been, and again, right time to do it. Um, I think it's been nice to see some some fresh faces, some new names in that Australian team, giving guys an opportunity. And, yeah, they've they've grabbed it with, with both hands. So, uh, interesting. I saw they also announced or picked their T20 squad for New Zealand, um, which I would imagine that will be uh, their, their World Cup T20 team that will be selected very soon as well because I think that starts in June over in the West Indies and America. I would imagine that their their squad will come from this New Zealand. These are the last T20s before the World Cup, so I think whoever they've picked in this New Zealand tour will, you know, they'll pick their World Cup team out of that. So, um, 
Yeah, interesting. I, they, uh, again, I, I think I've been very clear how much I support Smitty. I think he's a hell of a player um, in all formats. And, and I thought last World Cup he, he probably could open the batting and done a, done a good job as well. But he's in that squad for New Zealand. So I wonder what they're thinking with Steve Smith. Where are they going to bat him in that T20 World Cup team? Well, it would be between, because obviously Warner's one opener, it'd be between he and Travis Head to basically have the other opening spot, wouldn't it? Well, Mitch Marsh has opened, but Mitch could bat. Mitch will bat three, three if they do that. Yeah, I think that that's he, why. And and again, I don't see the point in taking someone like a Steve Smith if he's not in your starting eleven. Hmm. You know, you're better off picking a Fraser McGurk. <laughs> you know what I mean? To just go and smack it out of the park. Um, I think in T Twenty cricket now, I think Smitty's best suited to opening the batting, hmm. and I think he's shown that with the way he played for for the Sixers when he's opened the batting. Um, but yeah, interesting. I, I think I think the World Cup. Well, you would imagine that'd be silly if the World Cup team is not coming out of that squad that's going to New Zealand. Mm. You'd want them to play a couple of games together. You'd think mm. in preparation before getting on that plane for for the Caribbean. Also, Mitch Marsh has kept the captaincy. Yes, like it. I think I think right. Decision Cummins is as well. back, so yep. Mitch Marsh keeps the captaincy. I think that's good. I, I think that I think Paddy's done a done a great job in the Test format and the one day format. Um, I think the one day captaincy now he can you know it would be something that he's probably going to consider because he's just won the World Cup. So if he wanted to to no longer do that and just play, he he'll probably you know he's got that he's got that option. I think he has the right to select if he wants to do it or not. Obviously, the test captaincy he'll want to continue with. But I think in the 2020 format, it gives him a breather as well. just allows him to to go and play. Um, And I think Mitch Marsh, I think it's a good opportunity for him. I think he's done well with it so far. Uh, He can handle it. He's done it for... um, For Perth in T20 cricket. He's done it for Western Australia in Shield cricket. Um, I think it's the right time. He's in great form. So I, I think that's a really smart decision by Cricket Australia. Uh, and then I think they'll, you know, Paddy will make a decision based on that. And I think, he's, I think he might have already come out and said he wants to keep captaining the one-day team. So he does one-day cricket and test cricket and Mitch Marsh does twenty twenty cricket. Why not? I think, it's, um, I think it's a good balance for him. A oh, couple of notables to miss out in that T20 squad for the New Zealand League. Our man, Sean Abbott. And Jason Berendorf. Jason Berendorf was T20 Player of the Year at the Allen Border Medal the other night. Yeah, wow. uh, Nathan Ellis is ahead of them. So, anyway, you've still got these two little series. IPL will be a factor, surely. If someone yeah. goes ballistic in the IPL, yeah, but can well, propel themselves I, into that World Cup squad in June. Oh, I'm sure, and injuries as well. That's the other thing. There's still a lot of cricket, so players can get injured. But I, I would have thought this is a good opportunity to take your World Cup squad away, be together, play some games together um, in preparation for a, a World Cup campaign. But, yeah, there's a lot of cricket still to be played, don't get me wrong. Not international T20s, but a lot of domestic T20s to be played. So, especially with the bowlers and all-rounders, you'd imagine there's going to be some injuries. Uh, but yes, Smitty, someone like Smitty, he, he's not playing in the IPL. He didn't get picked up. So, really... He he needs to he needs an opportunity in New Zealand needs to grab it with both hands. Mm. Gosh, you just think Fraser McGurk, we've got to get him in there, don't we? Mate, my goodness, oh. he's he's ready. Forty one off eighteen balls in his second one day international yesterday. Jake Fraser McGurk. Uh now this text from Craig and, and the Swans made an announcement yesterday and had a news conference and it was to announce that Callum Mills is the sole captain this year. 
after his co-captains of the past two years, Luke Parker and Dane Rampey, decided to stand down. So Callum Mills, uh, who will miss half the season, of course, after he tore his rotator cuff in an incident of Mad Monday. Uh, Craig texts in, I find the decision by the Swans hierarchy to appoint Callum Mills as sole captain this season as strange, considering he'll miss half the season through injury. Uh, what happens if the Swans are leading the comp when he is due back? Pick him, but as captain, I'm not sure, could upset some of the playing group. Cheers, Craig. Well, I know, and listening to John Longmire yesterday, the players had a big input into this and basically ratified this. And then John Longmire approves it over the top. So I don't think there's any issues there at all. Callum Mills is beloved within that playing group. Uh, Sydney boy and uh, the other two, well, I think you know, getting beyond 30. a lot of 30. leadership groups are chosen and a lot of leaders yeah. are chosen these days is that the players have a big say on who they want to lead the team. And as you say, the coaching group just rubber stamp what the players have endorsed. Mm. So I think Callum Mills... and. I saw him. I think it was October. He had early October. He had the operation, so I don't think he'll miss as much football as what you think. If it's been a success, the operation, I don't think he'll miss a lot of football. I think he probably misses the first month or something like that. And I think what clubs or footy teams tend to do these days is give a worst case scenario, so you're not sort of looking at being asked every week about. How someone is and when will they be back? They just sort of put a line in the sand at the start and give you the worst case scenario, so you're not hassling them all the time, and you can just revert back to halfway through the season. Whereas I think I, 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 I'm sure that a lot of footy teams now just always give you the worst case, and with inside the four wheels, they're working harder to get them back earlier, but they just don't announce that to the public. And then when they make a surprise comeback, it's it's not a surprise to them. Mm. Um, but I'd be surprised if Callum Mills, um, from that injury, misses more than half the season. I, I, I think, at worst, he probably misses six weeks. We'll have Luke Parker on later this morning, one of the uh, well previous co-captains to have stood down, Luke Parker. Uh, hopefully, all going well, will play his 300th game this AFL season. All right, coming up this morning, Dick Fame coming up after the news soon. We'll preview the Dolphins season. In the NRL, Adam Pengilly, Dean Bulldog Richie in the studio, Naomi Fox, Jess's sister, who on the weekend picked up a bronze medal in the kayak cross, which is the event she's trying to make Paris in. Uh, Luke Parker, as I mentioned, and Chris Hyington, Tigers assistant coach now, was a trainer last year, but has been promoted in that setup under Benji Marshall, ahead of the Tigers' renaissance. In 2024. On the back page of the Daily Telegraph today, the big sell, Jordan Mylata joins the Las Vegas Drive. Bulldog has written this story. Of course, Jordan Mylata, Western Sydney boy, over there playing left tackle for the Philadelphia Eagles, was in the Super Bowl last year and, uh, you know, played junior rugby league, of course. So the NRL is looking at getting him in uh, over the course of the week to help Spruik. The start of the NRL season coming up in a month's time at the same venue as where the Super Bowl will be, Allegiant Stadium. Uh, there in Vegas, uh, Jordan Mylata. So, you know, the NRL looking to pull out all stops, as you'd expect, to promote their cause a month out from the start of the season. And uh, just on Vegas as well, on the back page of the telly, pain relief is harsh clear for Las Vegas. So... 
any potential visa issues. Payne Haas has been cleared by the US government. Reese Walsh has a meeting with the US Embassy in Sydney as well to try and get ticked off to ensure he's over there as well. Uh, Day-night clash without night session is on the uh, back page as well. Aussies romping after their enormous victory there. Uh, last night, more Vegas in the Herald. Small pitch, big changes. Rabbitohs learn their lines for Vegas stage is the headline there. And uh, just with the field size, gee, I'll tell you what, it's, it's five metres less they'll notice big time, won't they, as far as uh, the sidelines are concerned. So yeah, basically it's two and a half metres each side. Yeah, it, it's a, um, well, it's one person in terms of a defensive, hmm. you know, one, one and a half person, pe- uh, people. Uh, covering so, I'd ex- I don't know whether there's going to be a lot of space on the outside. Um, whereas you know a guy like Reese Walsh, with that extra five meters, he just puts you under all sorts of pressure. So it'll be easier to defend those shapes out the back mm. and when they move the ball because you don't have to cover as much ground, obviously. So it'll be interesting to see what style of footy teams come up with and how much practice they'll be doing on those narrow fields. Uh, but, yeah, no, it is. Once you're out there on the field, you'll you'll notice it, most definitely. Five metres is a lot. Mm. Uh, Big Ben, back page of the Courier Mail in Queensland. Rising Broncos star reaches new heights. So keep an eye out for Ben Secura. Uh, they've got to trial the Broncos against Winner Manly uh, this weekend. And uh, they're looking to unleash a 19-year-old who is 205 centimetres. That's six foot nine. Uh, basically, the tallest NRL players on record. Well, you've got to go back to Gareth Morgan, Garrick Morgan, who was a former Wallaby who we saw play for the Crutches back in what was it, 95, 201 centimetres. Matt Parsons as well, who many remember playing for the Newcastle Knights. Ben Tukura, not gee, six foot nine, Jeez, looks a, a big lad, Loz. Mate, that's that's a massive unit, isn't it? Six foot nine, wow. His biggest challenge will be fitness and keeping up with the speed of the game. Um, there's no doubt that he'll have the strength, uh, but if he's got the mobility, uh, I'm excited to see this young man play um, because that's a that's a huge body, and in the speed of the with the speed of the NRL, that's where big guys get fi- found out. So you want to make sure that agility-wise, he's okay. Uh, but if he carries the ball strongly and he's got that agility, um, <laughs> he's going to be hard to handle, very hard to handle. always wonder with those big blokes too how much more difficult it is to defend and to bend their back. That, that must take a bit more out of them than people that are built lower to the ground. Mm. Because you think about it, if you're six foot nine and you've got someone that's six foot running at you, and you you know you, you you've got to be able to tackle them mm. below the shoulders. See, especially now. Now, yeah, yeah. Mm. So you, it, it's going to be harder for them tackling. I would I would have thought. So uh, hopefully he's got a, a really good technique. Five centimeters on Big Nelson sounds a lot. Hey, and Nelson's you, as big it, as I've seen. Oh, did you see the photo with Tom Brady and Nelson going around? Yes. I didn't realise yep. Tom Brady was that big. Yeah. He's not as thick as Nelson. As tall, As though. tall, yeah. Uh, just on the Super Bowl, by the way, Dick Fane coming up shortly. Over, it's amazing. They had a press conference I saw about what food they'll be serving at Allegiant Stadium. So this is some of the food 
that you can get. This is for the Super Bowl. This is for the Super Bowl. Not for the NRL. No, no, no. This yeah. is the Super Bowl. Uh, how about an ultimate seafood stuffed potato? So seafood stuffed potato. Seafood stuffed potato. So you've got lobster. Potato marinara. Lobster. And Yum. Then you go to macaroni cheese under the lobster. In the potato. In the potato. Yeah, but they yep. like the potatoes over there, don't they? Uh, they love a good potato. Same you, as the UK. I'll tell you what you can do with a potato in a minute. Why in a minute? Why not now? I can. You know you can charge a phone with a potato? What? Please keep going. Sorry. Get a potato. Yep. Good start. Pour a bottle of Coca Cola. Acid over the over the um, potato? potato, and then put your charger. Charger or phone? Oh, no, you've charger. So you, as you would plug it into the wall, you yeah. plug it into the potato, and then plug your put, phone in. Plug your phone in, and it will charge. There you go. Little trick for your voice. Have you done this? Yes. Okay, I'm going to sample it today. I'm so hang on, does it, does it matter? Do you, does the potato need to be cooked? No. Nope. So just a raw potato. Just raw potato. Cut it get open. A, get, a, get a can of coke or a bottle of coke. Pour it on. Hang on. Like so you got you got to cut the potato. No, 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 no. All just in pour, a bowl. Just pour, pour it over the potato. Yeah. Okay. And then you just <laughs> plug it in. Man, I tell you what, this Charges is your phone. This is called. The greatest fix-up no, to no. get yourself electrocuted. This is good. Right, this is good. So, this is a new put, segment so hang on. Inventions you, with laws. You yeah. tell your child to keep any sort of water or... No, I didn't say water. No, no. I'm saying you tell your child to keep any sort of water or fluid away from yep. a PowerPoint yep. because of the fear of being electrocuted. Yep. Now, you're telling me yep. I've got to, put, I've got to no. put my phone charger into Coca-Cola. No. No, no, no. Into Potato. Okay, that's filled in the bowl is full of Coca-Cola, which is a yeah, fluid. But no, it pours over the potato. You pour it over the potato and you put it into the potato. Okay. Is the Coke, where, where's the well, Coke absorbs, that you're pouring? It absorbs into the potato as well. And then you just put it in. And you know what, you I'm put, just going to try you, it. Then when you put it in. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try it today. When I get home, I'm going to put my charger into a Coke-filled potato, all in a bowl. And then I'm going to plug my phone in, see that's, if it charges. Yeah, that's exactly I've never right. heard of this in my who life. Told and I'm not going to knock it. Don't worry about I... who told me. Okay. But you you were telling me that you have done this and yes, it works. I have done it. Can someone verify this, please? Zero four one nine seven six seven two. Please don't try this at home. You could be electrocuted. And that's the last thing we want to be promoting. So do not try this at home. Oh, you won't be electrocuted. <laughs> okay. Because you're not putting it into the wall. You're not. Yeah. It's, it's You put... I don't like any sort of the, fluid yeah. around wires, man. It's not my go. It's not my go <laughs> at all. Just try the knock one, 5110 first. One good zap. Yeah, maybe don't try your own phone yeah. either. <laughs> Grab your mates. We'll get to more of the Super Bowl food soon. Some of these, seriously, like, honestly, like, sit on your heart. Chicken and waffles. Just a waffle with fried chicken on top. And, like, a skewer of, uh, what is it? A pipette pipe of syrup. That they just put, that you just squeeze on top of your fried chicken and waffle. Unbelievable. Welcome back. A fair bit of reaction here on the text line to Loz's uh, claims as a, an unqualified electrician uh, claimed uh, before the news there that if you get a potato and pour some Coca Cola on it and put your phone in, it'll charge. Mm. Uh, 
Don't go putting it in the PowerPoint. No. We must stress. Yeah. Don't put it in okay, the PowerPoint. Just put it in the potato. <laughs> Don't use your phone. Yeah, Grab yeah. your mate's phone. Yeah. Uh, okay, here we go. Loz, it takes... It takes about 50 kilos of spuds then to charge a phone. For a Scrooge like you with long pockets, I would suggest just using the PowerPoint. <laughs> It'll save you 200 bucks. Clarky, please do not try this on your phone. <laughs> there is way too much content on there to possibly lose, says Josh. Very good. We should do it in the studio, Josh. shouldn't we, at some point. Try and do it today. <laughs> I've never tried it. I've just seen it happen. Okay, but someone... it's been on Instagram oh and TikTok. Ah, and someone has mentioned this. is a this. myth. 100% a myth. Cannot work. I don't know. I'm you, believing, I just I'm asked you I'm before it. the 6 o'clock news, yeah. I asked you mm-hmm. on two occasions, yes. have you done this? I and have you said yes. It. I have done it. And it works. Well, when I put it in, it gave me the charge, yes. I don't believe you. But it didn't, didn't I'm last calling, I pulled it out. I'm calling quickly. 100% no, no, no. BS. No, 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 no. I want someone to try it and correct mm. me. Tell me I'm wrong, but I'm calling BS. I'd like to be wrong, oh. but I know I would not be using my phone to sample this, <laughs> or my charger, or my Coca-Cola, or my potatoes. Well, actually, that's a lie. I'll I'll go home. Hey, go, you will try it. I'll go you home. You will try it. I've got no doubt you will. Because you, you are a very inquisitive man. Yes, I like I, and, I like new and things. everyone will I say like they won't things. try it. I like new but things. I guarantee you, you well, will. You'll go. Is he right or is he wrong? Well, I'm just and calling then, BS. Then we'll just see what happens. Can I read the the great well the great Mark Carroll listens to this yes, show? Yes, he does. Doesn't right, he? Yeah. Uh, and Laurie, uh, no, sorry, that's the end of the sentence. It, but there's a text here saying, "I reckon if you plugged it into Spud Carroll, it would charge." <laughs> Laurie, <laughs> <laughs> the great Spud. Uh, uh, no, Spud would be he'd be doing his first gym session. He would have done his first gym session mm. by now, Spud. He's usually at his gym by five thirty into it. Big man, big man, Spud. And was a legend at the lunch last year, him and Blocker. Oh, yeah. Just, I could sit and listen to blokes mm, like that, recount all yeah. stories that they yeah. went through when they were playing. And most of them were about, uh, I'm not promoting violence, but it was... That was the era, though, That was the era it? that they played in. Mm. But listening to a lot of those stories just brought back good memories from, you know, when you played against them or watched them. Well, when your generation lost, they will be the last players to carry those stories. Yeah, you're probably right, actually. Mm. Really? Well, yeah, the, the, this generation... Won't be able to carry anything no, like that. No. And it's, you know, it's, it's just, a good thing, too, for the game. Mm. The teams are in Vegas. Dick Fain is alive and well. How are you, Dick? Ah, oh, doing well, boys. Super Bowl week. Here we are. Are you in Vegas, Dick? No, no, no. We we only go when the Seahawks are in uh, in the Super Bowl. So I've been uh, I've been I've done Super Bowl media row three times. The yeah. three times that the uh, the Seahawks have been there, and uh, you know it's fun. And it's one of the times I went home for the game and watched it with my family, and that was the time that the Seahawks won. And then the uh, two times I stayed, the Seahawks lost. And then I obviously went and saw the Huskies play in the national championship a few weeks ago, and they lost. So I'm starting to think, well. If I stay for a big game, my team is going to lose. So maybe it's better that I just stay home. I love those theories we get that we're the, we're the curse on our own <laughs> oh, teams. <no. laughs> uh, got to sit in a certain spot or not go to the game. But uh, for Kansas City and San Francisco, Fez, well, what, what sort of storylines are dominating the build-up, Dick? 
Well, I think uh, the Mahomes legacy storyline is uh, is obviously dominating uh, some of the talk because if Mahomes wins, he will have three rings at age 28. Now, Tom Brady also had three rings at age 28, but then Tom Brady didn't win another one for nine years. So the talk then will be, my goodness, Patrick Mahomes has nine years to beat Tom Brady to four rings. And so I think that the, the Mahomes legacy is certainly a talking point. Obviously, the Travis Kelsey Taylor Swift thing is big. It's not going away. Um, it'll probably be big and talked about uh, during the game, after the game as well. Taylor Swift making her way from uh, from Japan to the football game. But, uh, you know, I think it, there's no no real controversies. Both teams very, very close to the vest. They don't have – neither team really has outspoken players on their team. So you don't have to worry about somebody sticking their foot in their mouth and saying something stupid and motivating the other team. Both of these teams have been here before. They know what it's like. I, I just kind of like the – I like the veteran atmosphere, the veteran coaches of these guys. Both of these coaches have been to Super Bowls. Andy Reid has obviously won multiple Super Bowls. So, I mean, it, it's just uh, – I think it's just – we're just focusing on football, which is great. Yeah, I think most teams like to fly under the radar, Dick. Can you fill us in about, is it all about the Kansas City Chief and what you just spoke about then and the and the, the you know, 49ers just sitting back and it's easier for them to prepare or is there a lot of spotlight on them? I think it might be easier for the 49ers to prepare. I, I would agree with that. Um, I do think the 49ers have more pressure on them, though. I mean, the, the 49ers, uh, Kyle, Kyle Shanahan has not broken through with a championship and the 49ers have not won a championship since 1994. We're seeing that all over um, social media. We're seeing all over that, you know, ESPN bottom line ticker, you know, the 49ers are five and two all times in Super Bowls, but dot, 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 they haven't won a Super Bowl since 1994. So we're talking about 30 years since this proud franchise, the San Francisco 49ers have won a Super Bowl and they've had this window now guys for three, four years where they've been, if not the best team in the NFC, certainly one of the top two or three teams in the NFC every single year, and yet they have not been able to win the Super Bowl. They got close, obviously, with a 10-point lead against this Chiefs team back right before COVID in 2020. Uh, they had an opportunity to uh, to beat the Rams. They were not able to uh, hold on to an interception by Matthew Stafford that was thrown right into the hands of Jaquiski Tart. If he picks that ball off, they're going back to a Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Instead, they don't, and the Rams go. So it's been a lot of close, but not being able to accomplish it for San Francisco. So I do think that there's more pressure on them than there is on Kansas City, who's already been there and done that. Dick, how do they deal with this part? I feel like in in any big game, the playing the part is the, that's the easiest part of of, of the game. Yeah. It, it, that's where they're most comfortable. But how do they deal with this preparation and and the excitement and the build up and everything that comes with you know the Super Bowl? Well, I think every coach is different on how he handles it. But I do know you know we we actually had Andy Reid on our radio show last week because he's uh, good friends with Mike Holmgren, who we do a weekly show with. Mike Holmgren obviously uh, won a Super Bowl with the Packers, uh, took the Packers to another Super Bowl, took the Seahawks to a Super Bowl, their first ever one in uh, in the 2005 season. And Mike Holmgren actually gave Andy Reid his Super Bowl schedule, what he used when he was in Green Bay, what he used when he was in Seattle. And Andy told us last week, he said, We're, I'm using your old schedule. 
He says, I'm using, I'm, I'm to a T. I am just going down. It works for, it worked for you. You know, Andy was his assistant uh, on, on those Green Bay teams. And he said, it works. It worked for me when I was in Philadelphia. It's worked for me in Kansas City. And so he just goes through that. Pete Carroll has mentioned that uh, when he was with the Seahawks and they were going to their back-to-back Super Bowls, he actually practiced the 40-minute halftime. He actually took his team into the locker room and practiced what it would be like to have a 40-minute halftime. I mean, that's twice as long as you're used to. And so just having that repetition going into the game, it, it makes it a lot more normal when you have to do it for real. Okay, so the betting. Uh, San Francisco, two-point favorites we have. Minus two or $1.77 head-to-head. Kansas City, $2.05 head-to-head plus two. Uh, just on our text line, Dick, the 49ers are absolute morals. Their defense only have to shut down Kelsey and Pacheco if KC has to rely, rely on Marquez Valdez-Scantling to catch footballs. They're in trouble, uh, says Graham at Currajong. From what I can gather, though, Dick, everyone seems to be on Kansas City, but the line's not really moving in their direction. So is it fair to say a lot of the pros actually are happy to take San Francisco? Yes, I, I think the pros are, are happy to take San Francisco. This is a big split, though. Um, usually we have a, a pros team and a, and a public team, a public side in the Super Bowl. And, boy, I've, I've heard a lot of, of pros on both sides. I've heard a lot of the public on both sides. I would say the public is leaning toward Kansas City, which would lead me to believe that there are probably more pros on San Francisco than there are on Kansas City. I would I would disagree with the texture in one in one sense uh, that, you know, Rishi Rice has been really, really solid for Kansas City the last few weeks. Uh, he has become a second year budding star wide receiver. So they really don't have to rely a lot on Marquez Valdez-Scandling and Justin Watson and all these other guys that, you know, Nicole Hardman, all these other guys that have really done nothing for them all season long. Rice has stepped up and become a really nice second option for Patrick Mahomes behind Travis Kelsey. So you really have three weapons now. You got Rice, you got Kelsey, and of course, uh, Isaiah Pacheco. And I do like Pacheco and, uh, and his his number uh, to go over. I've got it. I bet him at over 67 and a half rushing yards for this game. If you're Kansas City then, Dick, with your defense, are you more concerned about their running game or you're more worried about putting pressure on Purdy? I'm much more concerned about the rush, uh, the the rushing game. Uh, Purdy is elusive, so even if you do bring heat on him, he is able to escape. We saw a really nice run where uh, it looked like he was dead to rights in the NFC Championship game for a sack. He was able to squirt through and and run for 20 yards or so. I like Purdy's rushing odds. I've seen anywhere from 11 and a half to 13 yards. So you can take a look at that on your prop bets. Uh, I think uh, I think Brock Purdy does get a couple of scrambles for maybe seven or eight yards apiece, and that would put him over that that number wherever it is between 11 and a half and 13 uh but yeah objective number one for kansas city will be stopping the running game of christian mccaffrey and or debo samuel debo will run some he'll also catch some but uh this this san francisco offense is going to rest solely on the shoulders of christian mccaffrey and anything brock purdy does in the passing game it's going to be off the running game preferably for them off the play action game where the play action game, meaning the fake handoff to Christian McCaffrey, 
the Chiefs defense bites, thinks it's a run play, and Purdy has got some time in the pocket. If Kansas City does a good job shutting down that running game or limiting that running game, they're not going to bite as hard as on those on those play-action plays. And we know Kansas City's cornerbacks are very, very good. Both of them are very, very good. One of them played at University of Washington, we know very well, in Trent McDuffie. And so I don't think Brock Purdy can just rely on throwing the ball 40 times to win this football game. As far as the MVP is concerned, and you mentioned McCaffrey, I'm just trying to think who we can bet on outside the quarterbacks. History tells you running backs just do not win a Super Bowl MVP, but McCaffrey's different, and he's on the third line of betting at $5. Travis Kelsey's next at 16 Then it's uh, looking at 26 for Debo Samuel, 25 to 1. Who would you bet on if not either of the quarterbacks for MVP? Yeah, I think you named the two. Uh, the, the first two you named there. I don't think 5-1 to one is terrible on Christian McCaffrey because if San Francisco were to win the game, I, Christian McCaffrey has to have a big game. I, I just I don't see how San Francisco wins with Christian McCaffrey getting the ball 18 times for 65 yards and a touchdown. I, I mean, I think Christian McCaffrey needs to be upwards of 90, 100 yards, one, you know, one and a half touchdowns. I mean, that's that's where he needs to be. And then you need the complimentary Debo Samuel with five or six carries, five or six catches, get Debo the ball 12 times, get McCaffrey the ball 20 times. That's how San Francisco wins the football game. So I do like McCaffrey. And then, you know, Travis Kelsey, you know, I was thinking about this yesterday. It, does Travis Kelsey have a better chance to win the MVP because of the Taylor Swift thing and everybody, God, look how great it would be. Travis would get the MVP award on the field. Travis, you know, Taylor Swift is right next to him. Or does it hurt his chances? Because every, the voters will be like, no, we can't. I mean, this we can't have this this story. You know, we can't have the Taylor Swift story intermixed with the MVP story. I'm not sure. That being said, Kelsey's got to have a big game. McCaffrey has to have a big game for for San Francisco to win. I think Travis Kelsey has to have a big game unless Kansas City can just run all over him with Pacheco. And San Francisco's run defense has not been very good the last two games. Aaron Jones, 18 carries for 108 yards in the Packers game in week one of the playoffs. And then following that up with David Montgomery, 15 carries for 93 yards in in the next game. So, if Pacheco can get up there around 100 yards and you can ride him, then you don't need as huge a game from Travis Kelsey. That being said, I bet Pacheco over. I bet Travis Kelsey over as well in both receptions and uh, and yards. I, I just can't get away from the quarterback stick. And I, I look at Patrick Mahomes and the legacy that he'll cement if he goes on and wins this Super Bowl. And he's been there and done it before. What, what type of personality is Brock? Purdy and, and and would he be able to handle the environment that he's about to face on Sunday and you know what has he done throughout the year when he's been under pressure he's done a nice job uh, I've been critical of Purdy on the air only because when he is put into those MVP conversations I'm like come on I mean Brock Kirk, Brock Purdy is largely a product of the San Francisco environment however that being said he has talent He's not a backup quarterback in the NFL. He is a legitimate starting quarterback in the NFL. He would succeed to a certain level on just about any team in the in the NFL, but he is in the perfect situation in San Francisco with that offense and those weapons around him. But I do like his demeanor. He is very understated. He is very under the radar. Um, I don't think he likes the spotlight, but I think he's comfortable with the spotlight. I mean, he played college football at Iowa State. 
I mean, just in the middle of nowhere, guys. <laughs> I mean, throw a dart in the middle of America and you'll hit Iowa, you'll hit Iowa City where he played uh, college football. So um, he's just a, a guy that I think can handle the pressure of this game. I'm more, as far as pressure goes, I'm more worried about Kyle Shanahan than I am about Brock Purdy handling the pressure. Because remember, not only did Kyle Shanahan lose to the Chiefs in 2020 blowing a 10-point lead, who was the offensive coordinator for the Atlanta Falcons when they blew a 28-3 lead to Tom Brady? Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan has blown two double-digit leads in the Super Bowl. So you better believe the pressure is going to be on his shoulders on Sunday. So just reiterating who wins the Super Bowl, Dick. Give me Kansas City. Um, I think it's a game that's going to rely on the run games for both teams, which means I think the game goes rapidly. Both these two offenses are good enough to hit their respective overs. Uh, I just saw yesterday it was Kansas City at 24.5 for their team total, uh, San Francisco 24.5 for their team total as well. But I think the way the game is going to be played, I think it's going to be a little closer to the vest, a lot of running, and when that happens – the clock moves faster, right? You have less plays. And neither of these teams play at a very fast pace. In fact, San Francisco is one of the slowest paces in the NFL as far as plays per minute run. Kansas City's in the middle. So that's why I'm going to bet the under. Not because I don't think these offenses are capable. I just don't think there's going to be as many plays to get this game up to a you know 30-27 to 27 or 33-30 to 30 type football game. Give me Kansas City close by three. I'm thinking like a 23-20 type football game, but I think it's going to be a a fabulous game. I would be surprised if either team wins by, you know, double digits. And just in the NBA, a massive blow for the Philadelphia 76ers and Joel Embiid, who was uh, on the MVP path once again, but uh, he's had to have surgery on a knee issue, a meniscus, and he's out for at least four weeks after surgery, Dick. Yeah, and I really liked how Philadelphia was playing as well. Um, they've set themselves up pretty well up till recently when Joel was hurt. I mean, they're just four and six in their last 10 games, but they're playing really good basketball, as good as anybody uh, maybe save Boston in the entire Eastern Conference. And now Cleveland's been the hot team uh, winning, I think, uh, you know, 14, 14 out of 15, 14 in a row, something like that. Cleveland's been very good. I still like the Sixers in the long run if they can get Joel Embiid back. I think they're a scary team to face in the playoffs. If they can get Joel Embiid back and healthy going into April, then I consider them a a legitimate contender in the Eastern Conference. But if he's a shell of himself or can't get back, obviously the Sixers' chances of making the finals are over. Thanks so much, mate. We might check in before the Super Bowl on our Monday morning. Sounds good. Let's do it. Last night in the cricket was over pretty quickly. In fact, it was the shortest completed one-day international ever in Australia. Our fastest ever run chase on home soil. 6.5 overs Australia took to reach the target of 87. West Indies, all out for 86. Athenaise, the opening batter, 32, top scored. Then you had Roston chase 12. Uh, Cardi scored 10. Xavier Bartlett in his second one-day international, 7.1 overs, no maidens, 4 for 21. Uh, was the judge player of the match and player of the series. So he's got uh, eight wickets in two games. Sean Abbott, 1 for 14. Lance Morris, 4.3 overs, one maidens, 2 for 13. So he got his first international wickets. Adam Zampa, 2 for 14 off five overs. Unfortunately, Morris has suffered a side strain. So his uh, place in the wider squad for the upcoming test series has to be in some doubt. 
Jake Fraser McGurk in his second one day international, 41 off 18 deliveries, five fours and three sixes. At the other end, Josh Inglis, he clubbed them as well. 35 not out off 16 deliveries, four fours and one six. Uh, and uh, two for 87 there, Australia. Pretty much what summed it up, Pup, for the West Indies is they lost six for 15. They went from four for 71 to all out for 86. <laughs> the run out. I, I was in stitches, I've got to say. I loved it. Loved, loved the calamity. Uh, you had Roston Chase at the non-striker's end, and it was Matthew Ford facing his second delivery. And I've got to say, and the commentators said so as well, there was a run there, and it looked like Ford, he probably could have been had a bit more conviction with his call, but it sounded like he did give a call of yes there, and Roston just ball-watching. Uh, didn't do much. <laughs> Ford gets, you know, four Pretty fifths of the way it, down the pitch. Two, didn't he? he ran just about the whole way. <laughs> and, then and then slipped, slipped over <laughs> on the way back. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a good look. It wasn't um, graceful, was it? That game wasn't a good look, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, not the way that West Indies wanted to finish uh, this one-day series. But, yeah, I think the Aussies have outclassed them um, in the one-day format. Um, they haven't been up to it, and they haven't been able to find a way to to score enough runs. Um, yeah. Well, I, I didn't see one ball. You know, I turned it on at, I think it was 5.35 I got home from a meeting, turned it on, and they were doing the presentation. <laughs> I, I thought, nah, this is replay from the second game. Mm. But no, the game was over. So day-nighter, they didn't use the light. So they saved a bit of money down in Canberra. I'm sure the fans that turned out um, would have been disappointed as well. Probably but, not delighted. Just go straight out for dinner. Yeah. Um, anyway, it, one day series over, three zip, zip to the Aussies. Well done to the Australian team and well done to all the players that got their first crack or um, played their first part in, in one day cricket for Australia. I think we've, yeah, we saw some real positives. Um, and I've got to say, against this West Indies team, I think it was the right time to, to give some players an opportunity. It was nice to see some new fresh faces in, that, in those Australian colours. And... Uh Today in Sydney at North Sydney Oval, day-nighter, it is the second one-day international between the Aussie women and South Africa as well there today. Just some other results in the A-League yesterday. Uh, Loz told us why Tangy Day in New Zealand. So it was a public holiday across the ditch and they got 12,301 to the match between Wellington Phoenix and the Central Coast Mariners, a top-of-the-table match. And uh, it finished scoreless. The Mariners, so that means their extended unbeaten run goes to 12 matches. But uh, the Phoenix stay at the top of the ladder in the A-League men's after that scoreless draw yesterday. Now, in the Asian Cup overnight, Loz has been on this about trouble in the camp with South Korea. Well, it's finally all come to a head Mm. because uh, the Socceroos conquerors in the quarterfinal have been beaten 2-0 by Jordan in their semifinal. Jordan threw to the Asian Cup final, South Korea out. Only a matter of time. Mm. And have the stories been released yet about the <laughs> unhappiness in the camp? I, I haven't <clears throat> uh, come across them, lots. Right. Trust me. <laughs> We've got inside information in that camp. So the bloke who tells us we can charge a phone in a potato by t- pouring Coke into the potato asked me to trust him. Um, you can make your own mind up on that. <laughs> Don't go trying it. Uh, I don't, I don't want your charger to get rust. I don't oh, want to waste my Coca-Cola. Yeah. Might get rust. Mm. I, I, I just 
Can BS. you please try this and no. film it? No, because I've just told you I don't want to waste a charger, number one, and I certainly will not be putting my phone anywhere near it. I've told you what I think of it, but I would love someone to go and try it safely and hope they don't get electrocuted <laughs> because of Loz's BS. Has Loz had an alcoholic beverage this yeah. morning? Asked Sid <laughs> on the uh, text line. Uh, and a lot of people texting in saying you'd need, you know, 50 kilos or thereabouts of potatoes as well. Yeah, it sounds very high maintenance <laughs> for something that we want to be very low maintenance. You're believing me? Not one bit. No. It is you funny. When you told me, me you that. No, no, me. I had. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> but you didn't want to challenge me, did you? Because you were unsure. I just wanted you to keep going and see how far <laughs> you were going to take this. Uh, okay, now we're going to continue our previews of the upcoming of the clubs in the NRL season. So we are up to the team that finished. Last year they finished 13th, 9 wins and 15 losses. And we're talking about... The fledgling club, the Dolphins, who exceeded expectations, or at least most people's expectations, the vast majority in season one, and heading into 2024, looking at their gains and losses, well, they've got some significant gains in Herbie Farnworth and Tom Flegler from the Broncos. Uh, Jake Avarillo comes from the Dogs. Uh, amongst those to have been lost, Farmacilli has gone to Canterbury, SASA to Hull. Uh, Branko Lee uh, is out of that squad as well. So a pretty settled squad with a couple of very good signings there at the Dolphins as far as their odds are concerned with Tab. So they are $41 to win the Premiership, $19 to make the Grand Final, $67 to win the Minor Premiership, $9 to make the Top 4, $3.75 I think could tempt a lot of people to make the Top 8 and to miss the 8. $1.22 in the most losses market. They're on the fourth line of betting. They're $10, though. Loz the Dolphins for season 2024. And they've got a pretty decent draw to open up as well. They've got the Cowboys and Dragons at Brisbane and Redcliffe. Then a bye. Then the Titans just down the road on the Gold Coast. And then they're back at Suncorp against the Tigers before they have their derby against the Broncos. Well, I thought they overachieved last year. I think most people had them winning probably five, six games max. But to win nine games was an outstanding achievement. And we should have never underestimated the ability of, of Wayne Bennett. Um, and I think he's another uh, reason why they'll have a, a good year this year. Uh, he sides. They don't beat themselves. They do all the little things well and they compete hard. Everything you preach to your players, they tend to do. Uh, in the off-season, they've recruited a couple of big buys in Herbie Farnworth and Thomas Flegler. Uh, Flegler's such a competitor. He brings great aggression to any footy team he plays with. And he's got a high work rate. Uh, also, Jake Avarilla. Uh, I think he will slot into this system really well. And we know that Bennett can bring the best out in players. You look at the Dolphins forward pack, and it's got plenty of experience. Um, they're tough. Uh, you got the Bromwich uh, boys. Uh, we mentioned Flegler. You got Kafusi there. Tom Gilbert missed half the season last mm. year. You got Wallace. You got young um, uh, Marshall King, who was he was one of the most improved players I reckon in the NRL last year. Jeremy Marshall King. He was a constant threat out of dummy half, and he really elevated his game to another level. Um, their attack worries me though, and hopefully that's something that they've worked on 
this off-season. Because they do the little things well, high completions, kick and chase, that's what they build their game on. But I think if they're to go to that next level, they've got to evolve. So they've got to be prepared to move the ball and challenge the opposition a little bit more. I think they were just conservative at, at times. Uh, they need a bit more variety. And I reckon if they do that, they can uh, challenge and use their speed out wide because you've got Hemisa, who's one of the fastest guys in the comp and was a revelation at fullback for them, played origin and was a star. Uh, Herbie Farnworth uh, brings that uh, agility and ability to beat uh, a defender one-on-one. Uh, as I mentioned before, Avarillo and, and um, Jermaine Asako. Uh, on the wing. So they've got plenty of speed out wide. Um, big question mark, they'll be over the halves and their experience and whether they can control a game when they're under pressure or come up with the right plans and execute those plans to get their team across the line in, in tight games. Um, that's Sean O'Sullivan, uh, Isaiah Katoa and possibly a Milford in there somewhere or, or a Nicarima. Nicarima, yeah. So that that would be my only concern, whether they can get enough out of those halves when it comes down to the big games. I thought they overachieved last year. And my way of thinking, I'm tending to think they'll they'll win about the same amount of games this year. I, I think it'll be nine to, to 10 or 11 games. But I, I, I don't see them playing finals footy. But I, I think they're a very good team on the rise. Um, they've built it on the back of hard work, great professionals, and they will be a strong franchise in the years to come. Andy on the text line has pointed out the Dolphins don't fly to Sydney until round 15, which is uh, correct when they play the Sharks at Shark Park. That's on June 13th. Well, same thing happened with the Broncos last year. When you don't have to do a lot of travel, any particular come to Sydney, I think that's an advantage for any Queensland side. Um, and... The Dolphins could set themselves up nicely, but they faded towards the back end of last year, didn't mm. they? So that's what they've got to guard against. Um, and when you look at the team, I'm just trying to think, you know, Hamasol will be in the Origin Arena. Uh, Flegler, yeah, they could be affected around Origin time with three or four players. You know, you think Hamasol will be there, Flegler will be there, Tom Gilbert will be there. There's three, and then they possibly, depending on injuries, Felice Kafusi might. Uh, re-emerge if they get an injury to a couple of their back rowers. So that, that could knock them around. But I, I, as I said, I, I thought they overachieved last year. I, I would expect them to win about the same amount of games. Um, but they're a side that has got uh, good juniors, good pathway system. They've recruited the right players to set the foundation and the DNA of the club going forward. So the, the Dolphins will be a real threat of, a, uh, of winning a competition, I, I think, in a couple of years' time. Really is a lot of experience in that forward pack, but they probably do want to get some youth, more youth into that forward yeah. pack as well, Loz. Yeah, well, you've got um, Tom Gilbert, as we spoke about, yep. and there's another young bloke, Connolly Lemulu or something. Lemuelu. Lemuelu. Yeah, it's hard to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, he, he's a guy that played <laughs> played last year, and he, he, he actually impressed me yeah. a lot. Yep. Um, now, whether he can force his way into that, starting side, I'm unsure, but I know coming off the interchange bench, and at times last year he played left edge, and they moved um, Bromwich uh, into the middle of the field, so they they could possibly go with him on an edge and um, start Bromwich uh, as a middle, or use him coming off the interchange bench, so they've got some good young players, and as I said, I I think they just recruited those older blokes to start with, to 
set a solid foundation of what the club looks like moving forward. And I think that's the way to do it from a new club's perspective. Make sure you get older players that you know, prepare like professionals, they train, they do everything off the field really well and they perform on the field. So I think they're heading in the right direction. But again, I just have them short. I, I don't think they'll play finals this year. Last chance saloon for Anthony Milford in the NRL, you'd have to say. Well, we've been saying that for a number of years, I reckon. Mm. Uh, well, this is definitely it. Well, yeah, and again with uh, Anthony, I think it just comes down to his fitness. Because the fitter you are, the longer you can stay in a contest. And if you become fatigued during a contest, you start to make poor decisions, in particular as a half. So, um, you know, if you're getting worked over in defence and you're not fit and you can't keep up with the speed of the game... You know, your kicking game goes astray, your decision-making goes astray, you put everyone under pressure in your team. So if he, if he's fit, we, there's no doubt he's got the experience to be able to navigate his way around the footy field. Um, but the thing that made him a really good player was his running game. Um, but I think for the Dolphins to have success, it'll be built off the back of those forwards and then it'll come down to the halves, whether they control a game under pressure or not. Can they sneak into your eight? Pup, no. or is it yeah, too too crazy? No. Okay. I thought they overachieved. I thought, my personal opinion, they overachieved, overachieved last season um, and did unreal. They were great to watch. I enjoyed the way they played. Um, I haven't got them in my eight this season. Uh, Neville says, Loz, definitely run with a potato phone charger. Guaranteed to stop people using your charger at the airport. And Neville uh, obviously remembers yeah. the uh, infamous story last year when it was, was it fair to say it was a tourist? Who it was just a tourist, yep. Walked up and yep. there you were, we were waiting tourist for departure Tourist from another country. Lounge. Thought it was a <laughs> communal commun- phone charger. Yep. Yep. And uh, just sort of tapped me and I want to <laughs> use that. And I went, and she just took my phone. Phone off the charger and put it in. Yeah, and I was looking around at the boys, going, "Is this fair, Dick?" <laughs> Anyhow, we sat there for about half an hour, and being the gentleman I yeah. was, I allowed the young lady to do it, and then she, yeah, took a phone and away she went. She didn't even say thank you. Oh no, there was no chance of that. No, 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 no thank you at all. Was the but that was my charger. that was my good deed of the day. Mm. See, I I like to do one good deed a day. I try and do three. What did you do yesterday? What did I do yesterday? What I'm is coming out of your mouth this morning? <laughs> Mate, listen, what, is today like we can tell whatever lies we want day? No, I always do three good three deeds Three good deeds a day Most and definitely. plug your phone into a potato full of coke to charge your phone. Day. I don't do that every day. But no, What I, are your three good deeds? Of course you deeds? do. What are your three good deeds that you do I've every day? I've done that for a long time. Do you write them down? No. You, you, no, it might be something as simple as you know, opening you, the door for your wife. Yeah, that could be. Or it could be uh, in the kitchen, you, know, you get your coffee first. Something like that. It's all about understanding. If I think you people, do way more than three. Pe- well, you do, that, but I try and make sure deed. I try and do three good deeds a day. I think you do. And I've had that mentality deed, for you do way more. a long period of time. Paying for dinner, holding the door open, uh, saying thank you for something. You do a million if that's a good deed. That's yeah, not a good I, deed. That's a given. But I like I like doing as many as I can, but I try and make sure I remember to do three decent ones a day. But oh, if I don't do I've three. I've done three already. Three I've held the door open here for both of you yeah. in our three it's breaks. All about, that's not two. It's all about putting others before <laughs> yourself. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, I this, like your theory. I, I like it, but I think you then you would do three easily. Like if I'm, they're called, that, I wouldn't call that a good deed. 
feel like I'm listening a to a homily. A lot of people wouldn't. I'd call that a given. Mm. Like Do holding you, your door open for your wife. That's well, a given. Well, one thing we've just realised, Puff, is he starts these deeds <laughs> after nine o'clock. Yeah, 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 that's a good point. Let me go lie. to the toilet first. You ask anyone out there. Let me get my there. coffee first. See, the boys are nodding. They're on my side. <laughs> Are they? They're not even listening. Right. <laughs> Adam Gilly, good morning. How are you? <laughs> You're a bunch of gibberish. <laughs> I say good morning, good morning, Adam. Is that a good deed? No. I say good morning to him. That's polite and respectful. Uh, no, that's just accepted. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Well, I don't know what standard. the rules are today. That's just a stock standard. <laughs> uh, morning, right. buddy. Morning, Clarkie. Let's talk some racing. We had the barrier draw for the Inglis Millennium yesterday. Yeah, we did, Mido. A um, lot of interest surrounding this favourite from the Gay Waterhouse and Adrian Bott stable, fully lit. Sounds like a broken record talking about their two-year-olds, but he was ultra-impressive winning on debut a few weeks ago, and he's got, oh, what must he said, a little bit of a tricky draw, drawing the um, second outside gate. I, I'm usually a fan of speed horses who draw outside gates, because um, they can take a bit of time to find their feet and then come across, but this is uh, going to be a a very fast run race. It's a $2 million race. going to be a ton of speed runs underneath him. So he's going to have to do some work. And I'd expect him in the market to probably drift just a little bit as we get closer to the jump time. Keen to see how these two horses come back from the uh, English nursery just before Christmas. Uh, Odinson obviously was very impressive winning. And, and Beer Baron um, was great. He's a horse who's also got a lot of potential as well. So, yeah, this is a really important race heading towards some of our major two-year-old features, um, including the slipper. And I think Fully Leap will start favourite. We might get a touch of a better price closer to jump time. Um J-Mac injured himself on Saturday, then rode Sunday over there in Hong Kong. What's the latest with him? Is he out with injury? Yeah, he's told the stewards, Loz, he won't be riding at Warwick Farm today and won't be riding on the weekend either. So that's Canterbury on Friday night, then Renwick on Saturday for the English Millennium meeting. So I'd imagine a couple of long-haul flights um, and the pain is probably setting in a little bit. He's decided to tell stewards he won't be riding at all this week. So we don't know how long he'll be out of the saddle for. Hopefully it's only just a week or so, but certainly he had to grit his teeth and get through that Hong Kong meeting on Sunday. And once he's got back to Australia, he's seen a specialist said, no, you need to rest for a little bit. So that means he won't be riding for the next week. So, yeah, we wish him all the best. Let's hope he's back next Wednesday, at least the following Saturday. And um, he's ready to go for all the, all the big features heading into the Autumn Carnival. First group one of the year, the calendar year, with the CF4 at Caulfield on Saturday. And uh, what sort of feel can we expect for the 400-metre wait-for-age race? Well, what's going to be a market dominated by Mr. Brightside, won't it, Mido? He's $1.85 with tab.com.au at the moment before acceptances. Um, probably could even start a little bit shorter once that final field is, is taken. And it's going to be an interesting race. So obviously, Kieran Mara's got Pride of Jenny nominated. I'm hoping she accepts, because what she did throughout the Melbourne Cup week, that was phenomenal, winning those two Group 1s in the space of seven days and the manner in which she did it as well. So you know when she's in a race, the speed's going to be on. It's going to be a true test. So I'm hoping she stays in those um, nominations and is one of the entries for the race. But I think Mr. Bryce obviously deserves to be favourite. I read with interest that the connections of V8 have been talking up his chances. Obviously, the McAvoy stable think that he's... He's done really well so far. This preparation got a bit of fitness uh, benefit on his side as well. So he's going to be there to, to run a race as well. But it's just hard to see how Mr. Brightside doesn't start such a short price favourite. He's been so consistent for so long now. This weight for age racing is just his go. So I'd imagine he's going to be extremely hard to toss in that oil stakes at Caulfield on the weekend. And just to confirm, Foxy Cleopatra in the noms, but likely won't accept today, Loz. Although I know you'll leave it, leave it to your esteemed trainers. Hmm. But Foxy is in the noms for the oar on oh, Saturday, as no. well as no, I don't think I don't think as well as the car lines. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah that'd be a, okay. A, a, Group ones don't interest you. Oh, they do, they do, and we'll be there at some stage into the oh, future. Uh, but big statement. What's well, you a big just statement? don't know. Well, just look look at the confidence. Oh, I've got a horse. She's already running, running in Group, group ones. One. She's already running in Group One. Yeah, she did too. The Oaks. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. How quickly they forget. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what about today at Warwick Farm? <laughs> uh, just a value bet for me today, Loz. Race three, number three, McGee, I think presents, presents a nice each-way bet. He was very, very disappointing last start and tailed off. But his first two runs of this preparation were great. He won on a wet track at Warwick Farm first up. Second up at Canterbury, he should have won. He was held up for a run all the way down the straight. I'm willing to forgive him one bad run. And in his favour is he loves getting his toe into the ground and he loves his home track. And with three kilos off of Beanie Pania, he's right down the weights as well. So just a little sneaky chance there. Race three, number three, McGeehan uh, at Warwick Farm today. $12 and three ten the place. Also, uh, Ali Mosley on Monday mentioned Bizasto to us, which is the $3.30 favourite uh, in the first today at the farm. Uh, race one, number one there to keep an eye on as well. But Adam Sip is race three, number three. McGeehan, $12 and three ten the place. Have a good day, mate. Thank you. See you, boys. Chat tomorrow.